Hello, and welcome to the SAMOP Specialty Spotlight Podcast. This podcast was created to help inform military medical students about experiences and opportunities in military medicine. We aim to interview physicians either currently in or retired from the military from all branches of service in various specialties. Today we are doing a resident special and are fortunate to have Dr. Connor Paulson with us. Some of you may recognize his name as he was a recent national SAMOPS president. Hey, glad to be here, glad to help out. Great, so the first question is just a basic background about where you went to medical school, what branch of service you are, and what you're doing now. Sure, yeah, so I suppose I should give the standard spiel. Everything I said today is my own opinion. I don't represent the DOD or my program in general right now, just talk about my own experiences, so. I did undergrad at University of North Dakota, and then I was kind of a non-traditional student. I worked in a, ran a kitchen for a few years after undergrad, and then I applied, got into Des Moines University, and loved it there. So I graduated in 2019, and now I am doing general surgery with the Navy at Navy Medical Center, San Diego. Beautiful, beautiful San Diego. Excellent. Great. Yeah, I bet the weather's nice there right now. <laughs> so what made you choose general surgery? So I really like the breadth of general surgery. In Iowa, I got to do a few rural rotations, and the general surgery folks there really were like general surgery. They got to do the, the full breadth of it. I like that we are not subspecialists. We kind of don't hide out in our subspecialist hole and not deal with a lot of general problems. I think we're pretty good at, at medical management as well as, as surgery. I like the technical part of it, working in a kitchen. I enjoyed that. I think I did well at that. So I, I wanted to do the technical part as well as I kind of like clinic. I like inpatient. I like it all in general surgery. You kind of get to do that. You get to do the boring stuff. You can do call. You can do trauma. It's just a really wide breadth. Awesome. Did you know that you wanted to do surgery before going into medical school or before you started rotations, or when did you figure that out? So my first year, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I liked radiology. I liked anesthesia. And I knew I definitely didn't want to do surgery. <laughs> and then I don't know what happened second year. I think I did just get more exposure kind of to the breadth of management that we do, and that really seemed cool to me. And I did my second rotation of third year. I used my second year ADT to go to Camp Lejeune to do general surgery. There is a okay. third-year med student, which they don't typically do. I really enjoyed it. Obviously, it's like a smaller department. It's not like an academic department, but I enjoyed my time there and really enjoyed working with the surgeons there. Yeah, it's cool that you were able to do that. So where did you do your audition rotations, and then what made you choose San Diego? So, right, there's three general surgery programs in the Navy, San Diego, uh, Walter Reed up in D.C., and then Portsmouth, Virginia. I got to rotate at all of them. I did my non-ADT here at San Diego, so I paid for it out of pocket here. I was really impressed by all the programs. They kind of each had their own strengths and weaknesses. I think Portsmouth had very good academics. San Diego and Walter Reed have, I believe they used to have a little higher case numbers, but that kind of fluctuates. Walter Reed, obviously, it's kind of the big, it's like the president's hospital. There's kind of a lot of research there, a lot of big name things going on there. And then San Diego, out in the West, it's a little more separated from the rest. So I enjoyed San Diego. And honestly, it, it kind of came down just to where I wanted to live. I really enjoyed all three programs, and San Diego is just so beautiful to live at. Um, I will say there's kind of this rumor 
going around that there's a like a toxic environment at Walter Reed, and I did not find that to be the case at all. When I rotated there, I think the residents and the staff were really invested in the students and just as good and fun to work with as everywhere else. So uh, I hear that from like everybody, and I just didn't find that to be the case. All right, that's good to know. Did you have kind of a preference on some over the others out of the three before you went for your audition rotations and then that either stayed the same or changed? Or did you really just go and experience them and then make your rank list based off of what you felt or experienced when you were there? So I had lived kind of near Los Angeles for four years and I really didn't like the area. So I was kind of leaning towards Walter Reed. I kind of wanted a bigger city and I had done, I haven't really lived in like the East Coast area too much. So that's kind of where I was leaning, but I just fell in love with San Diego. It's very different from Los Angeles. Yeah. That's very true. Okay, so I have heard, and you can confirm if this is correct or not, that the general surgery program in the Navy at Portsmouth is five years, but the other two locations is longer, and the reason why it's longer is because of research. So when you chose San Diego, was research something that you wanted to do as part of residency, or was it something that factored into your decision? So, yeah, you're right. So Portsmouth does not have a required research year. However, they do have research residents, and kind of how it was explained to me was that somebody has to do research there, and so it's not really a required research year, but some folks do it. But, yeah, so Walter Reed and San Diego both have a required research year, so that makes it a six-year program here. And as far as research, I'm not like a big research guy, so I'll do it. But yeah, it's definitely kind of low on my priorities. Do you choose when you do the research year or does everyone do it at the same time? Everybody, as far as my understanding goes, and I'm not super familiar with the logistics of it yet, but it's either before or after your fourth year as a resident, you do at least one year of research. Some folks do uh, multiple years if they want to. Okay. And then I'm not sure if you would know this or not, but in terms of what kind of research you're doing, do you know if that's something that you're just given or told to do, or is there some flexibility with choosing what kind of research you do for that year? Uh, you definitely get flexibility. It seems to me like a lot of folks do research based on possibly if they'd like to do a fellowship but that is about the extent of my knowledge on, on the researcher, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So did you apply to any civilian programs? And then if you could just explain a little bit about the match in terms of military versus civilian deferred versus civilian sponsored. Sure. Um, so I did fill out ERAS. As an HPSB, you're required to fill out ERAS, which is the civilian application. I did it. I kind of half-hearted it. You know, I really liked the military. I had pretty good, I think, experience working with HPSB. And so I was pretty confident I was going to get a spot. And so I sort of applied to the civilian programs. I know that, so if you do civilian deferred, you go do a civilian residency, and you're basically like a HPSB student is my understanding of it. You have your rank, you're an O3, but you don't have to meet anywhere. You don't have to drill anywhere. You don't have to be in height, weight standards, physical fitness standards is my understanding. To be honest, I'm not super familiar with 
the payback. I believe civilian sponsored, you pay actually pay two to one. So civilian sponsored, from what I last remember, is you go to a civilian residency, but you are active duty military, and so you get paid quite a bit more by the military, but you have to pay back two for one years for that, I believe. But yeah, but I'm not sure exactly. I'm probably not the best source for that info. Yeah, no worries. The years in owing has kind of always confused me. So with your program, how you're doing a six-year residency program, how many years total after you finish residency will you owe with the Navy? Yeah, okay. So, right, med school, you owe one year for each of your get paid in med school. And so, like, right now, I owe four years for med school. When I finish residency, so intern year, your first year residency is payback neutral. You don't accumulate, but you don't pay back anything. So I'm still at four years right now. So when I finish the six-year program, I'll have five years to pay back for residency. However, the med school years and the residency years get paid back at the same time. So as I finish my first year as a staff attending, I've paid back one year for med school and one year for residency. So basically, it's a little complicated, but the long and short of it is if you do a longer residency, you're going to owe back that many years after intern year. If you do a shorter residency, you're just going to owe back the four years of med school or however many years you got paid for. So I'll owe five years after residency. It's super complicated. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I didn't realize in the past that the intern year was neutral. So that's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. So I'm not sure if you remember kind of how your rank list was structured, but as a third year going into this process soon, I know that I want to do a military residency and I don't Mm -hmm. want to go civilian. So like I know that you can do transitional years if you don't get, you know, like the specialty that you're trying to do. So how risky is it, would you say, to not apply to a ton of civilian programs because it just seems like, you know, civilians, they apply to like 50 to 100 programs. And as somebody that is in the military and doesn't want to go civilian, I feel like I'm having a hard time figuring out how many civilian programs I should apply to. Sure. Um, So it's a pretty safe bet you're going to get in the military. Um, Now that said, like military is always changing and sometimes decisions come down from higher up that sometimes surprise everybody and we you know there's talks of these cuts and now the cuts are kind of on hold as, as last I heard so I would say you're pretty sa- I know some people didn't even apply to civilian which they were you know required to do so I won't n- name any names um, but yeah it's a pretty safe bet that you will get a, a military spot they have lots of spots intern year especially in the Navy Yeah, so I'd say it's a safe bet. Okay, that is comforting to know. All right, so also in the civilian world, you know, for certain specialties, I have heard that there might be some discrimination against DOs or it's just not as easy to get a residency at certain places in certain specialties. If you're a DO, do you know if there's any of that kind of unequalness between MDs and DOs in the military when they're selecting applicants? Um, So military, right, has a ton of DOs. There's a lot less of that. I know, right, some programs, especially like civilian programs, 
they tend to not take DOs as much or at all. But the military is definitely not like that. They're, I think, my intern year class, it's, I think, half, about half DOs, half are MDs. And that kind of always leads into the question, should I take Comlex or should I take USMLE? I only took Comlex, I think, unless you're applying for... Okay, no. Okay, so the only answer to this question, there's a thousand answers to this question, should I take USMLE? And the only right answer is call the program director, email the program director, and ask them, because it depends. But the kind of general rule is if you're applying for more competitive subspecialties like ortho or neurosurgery, probably take the USMLE, but definitely ask the program director, I would say, before you spend the money. Sure. So the program directors might have changed since you applied, but at the time when you were applying, did it seem mm -hmm. like the Navy general surgery program directors wanted USMLE, or they didn't really care? No, I don't think they really cared. I talked with the specialty leader. I had a clinic with the specialty leader for general surgery one day, and we were talking about applications. This was as a med student. And I told him, I mean, he was very familiar with the complex. And so there, I don't think there was any issue with complex there. Okay, good to know. All right, so we're going to transition a little bit just to talking about audition rotations. What do you think are the best ways to excel or stand out during a general surgery audition rotation? Sure. So first of all, there's like no secrets. I feel like I get a lot of questions and people like want to know what's the thing. There's no one thing. Um, it's I'm working hard and being prepared. Uh, one thing that stuck with me that I was told as a med student auditioning was be the hardest working person in the room. And so, I mean, that means putting in the work. It means being prepared is the big thing, especially for general surgery you need to know what you're doing the next day if you're going to go to the OR and should have access to the schedule. Usually you have to ask one of the residents for kind of the schedule, but you should be familiar with the cases you're doing. You should know kind of in general what the process is step-by-step, step. just really generally. That's, that's not a huge deal, but kind of what are the indications? What are the risks? You know, kind of what are the classic PIMP questions for each one? Um, know some of the anatomy. And there, there's quite a few books. I like Surgical Recall is pretty good. There's a lot of them. I use Surgical Recall mostly. Yeah, and then as far as in inpatient, you should know a lot about your patients that you are seeing. You should kind of anticipate questions that the residents and the staff will have. I think that helps a lot when you kind of, if you take a minute and you think, okay, let's say I'm the only person managing this patient. Like, what else do I want to know before I make a decision and kind of what is my decision decision going to be? What would my plan be? And that's something we as interns are working on still kind of what's our plan. So, yeah, I'd say those are the, the big things. But, yeah, just be a hard worker and be easy to get along with for sure. Like have a good attitude. Cool. What do you think are things that people could be doing like right now, if we're third years, before our audition rotations to help prepare before we get there? I think don't study for the test so much. I think a lot of people fall in that trap of getting good scores, uh, which is really important. It's important to, to do well on boards. I also think, I mean, you're going to be a doctor like soon, 
And so you just need to be comfortable managing patients. Like people's lives are going to kind of depend on the things you do. And so just, I guess, thinking of, I don't want to say logistical parts, but also kind of like management as a whole of patients. Um, keep that in mind. I can't really think of too many specifics right now, I guess. But, but yeah, I think something like that. So thinking a little more broad in terms of managing the patient and not just how do I get this question right? Yeah, exactly. Like think about the context of the knowledge you're cultivating at this point. Think how are you going to use it? Yeah, things like that. Okay, cool. So San Diego was your number one choice, wasn't it? Yes, yep. That is awesome. So you said that there's not like any one thing, but like, do you think that there's anything in particular about your application or what you did during audition rotations that really helped you stand out and get your number one choice? Uh, yeah, I think so. So I kind of had two things I worked towards. In med school, I was really involved with the ultrasound program at, at Des Moines University. And then, you know, I was very involved in SAMOPS and AMOPS. And so I, I feel like that spoke that I actually had these genuine interests and that I wasn't, like, checking off boxes. I got, like, a little bit of research, and that, you know, it was, to be honest, it was kind of a box I checked off for my application. But I think the rest of it kind of spoke to me as a good applicant organically. And then one thing I did, and I have no idea if this mattered, but shortly before the rank list were due, I emailed San Diego and I said, hey, you're my number one pick. And for these three reasons, I liked this about the program. And I think I would be a great fit for these three reasons. So who knows if that helped at all. But yeah, I, I think that can't hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How would you say that interviews during your audition rotations and for residency compared to medical school interviews? Were they like similar questions or like I know that, you know, medical school interviews can be very broad depending on the school, but I guess in terms of stress level yeah. or types of questions or things they had you do, how were they? Yeah, I guess they were like ballpark similar, right? like this short amount of time and they ask you these questions which are a little awkward but generally they're just trying to get to know you remember I was like really nervous before my first interview for residency and it, it wasn't too bad no I like to talk about myself so <laughs> so it wasn't too bad yeah I think I wouldn't stress I mean I think it's important to know like why do you want to do general whichever specialty you know like the bread and butter questions and then always have questions for the program, too, because they always ask you that. And if you sit there and struggle to think of questions, you look a little stupid. So, mm. yeah. That's good advice. I would like to avoid looking stupid during my interviews, <laughs> if at all possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So this one is just a very general question, but obviously a lot mm -hmm. of our listeners are medical students, and so we don't know what yeah. intern year is like. So if you could just talk a sure. little bit about how intern year has been like as a general surgery intern. Yeah, okay, so general surgery, I think it's a little different from a lot of people's. We do a lot of inpatient, let's see. So the majority of my months are inpatient. We rotate uh, every four weeks onto a new service. My rotations here, so besides the general surgery stuff, I do night float. That's what I'm doing right now. So 
kind of watch everybody's patients overnight. We do ICU, we do trauma at a civilian hospital here. Let's see, did a month of urology. We did two weeks of gynoc, two weeks of ortho, and and I'll do uh, four weeks of ER as well. So general surgery, we have a pretty inpatient heavy intern year. So that generally involves like a typical day for that is getting to the hospital, usually between five or six, um, putting together the patient list, which has all the info on it, all the vitals and labs and all that information. We put together that list, make sure it's printed out for the residents, for the chief residents, for the attendings. We go pre-round on our patients, start working on notes, and then rounds usually somewhere around 6 o'clock, between 6 and 7. And that is typically with the chief resident, not the attending yet. And then we'll kind of figure out the plan there. 7 o'clock in the morning, we have our morning report, which is where we present all the patients that came that were admitted overnight, and it's a good, you kind of, the night flow person kind of gets pimped. Generally, all the staff are there, and they ask questions and kind of discuss the patients a little bit. And then the teams break out. Some people will go to the OR. Some people see clinic. It's kind of a varied schedule. And then usually after 7, the kind of chief residents meet with the attendings and figure out the plan. And then we kind of carry it out throughout the day, sign out at like 5.30, to the night team. Typically, you're there till 5.30, sometimes later. Sometimes if you have a few interns, you might get to go home early. Let's see, some of the other ones, like ICU and trauma, we're kind of on like a Q4 day call generally. So every four days, you'll be on call. You're kind of around similarly, and then you stay in the hospital, and you carry the phone or the pager or whatever it is, and you stay there overnight, and then you're home by like 9 o'clock the next morning. Let's see, typically we get about one day off a week. Like you probably know our limit per week is 80 hours. So typically work weeks are in 60, 70 hours. And I think it's about it. There get to be specifics, you know, for each rotation. But That's cool. It sounds like yeah. you guys have a lot of diversity with what kinds of rotations you guys do throughout the year. Yeah, it's a pretty good mix. And the general surgery ones with our department are kind of more or less similar, but ER, you get a lot of days off. And then the, the trauma and the ICU ones, you're doing that in-house call every like four days or so. So I like it, yeah. Is intern year everything you thought it would be or imagined before you got there? So I feel like every year, like from first year med school on, I feel like it gets better and it gets worse, right? Like first year you are learning all this stupid nonsense that doesn't seem super useful. Right. Then second year you get to learn actual medicine, but then you're stressed about boards. And then third year you're actually doing stuff, and but you're working a lot. You can't take naps. Like every year I think it's gotten better and it's gotten worse. And I, I think that's the true of intern year. I would say as far as how much I think I got the opportunity to lead management or direct management of patients, I think it's about where I expected. You get some leeway and a lot of times, you know, you bring your plan up to the resident and even if it's a little off, they'll they'll let you do it that way or, or sometimes they, they like it their way. So you get a lot more independence. You get to be a part of the team, a lot more 
but yeah, the hours, the hours are intense. The pressure's on a lot more. As I mentioned, you, if you get asked a question and you're not sure, you can, you can kind of answer it halfway and then look confused and someone else will answer it. But I feel like as an intern, it doesn't end there. It ends with you and that, you know, it's like, you should know this. Why don't you know this? And so, mm. yeah. Yeah, I've heard that intern year is more stressful because, I mean, you know, you have more responsibility. Cause like you were saying, as a medical student, no one really cares at the end of the day what we're doing or what we know or what we don't know. But then intern year is also better because you have that responsibility because when you are a medical student, nothing that you do matters. So when you're an intern, you feel like you actually are doing something important. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, exactly. I mean, I hate to say, like, what med students do doesn't matter because that's, that's not true. But like if we get busy and we forget about you, which happens occasionally, <laughs> and we feel bad, <laughs> you know, that doesn't interrupt the plan for the patient too much. But right. yeah, I mean, obviously since as an intern, you can do all the doctor things. You're definitely more a part of the team. So I try to involve the med students. You know, I feel bad. I know when I was a med student, there were some, some days where I feel like, the team was carrying on without me and didn't really matter if I was there. So that, that kind of sucks when that happens. So I always try to keep the, the med students involved. But, wow. Yeah. Well, the med students around the world appreciate you. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything about intern year that you wish you had known beforehand? You know, I wish I had been better about knowing how to present a patient well you know, you go see the patient, and then you'll present them in front of the team during rounds. You know, you give your short little presentation. Or in clinic, presenting to the attending or to the chief resident. Beginning intern year now, that's kind of been night and day for me. I know, like a lot of DO schools, like we're not attached to these big academic centers where we do that frequently. So I think there's advantages to, to rotating through private practice more. You know, we get a little more access to the attendings. But I think my presentations, I wish I would have known how to do those a little better. But let's see, otherwise, no, I don't know. I think like a lot of things, there's no secrets. And I mean, you know, you're going to have to figure out how to write for nausea meds and pain meds and what specific ones, how to control blood pressure. But I think that's kind of hard to, to learn as a med student and depends so much on kind of where you are. Mm hmm I've heard the presentation thing from a couple people that are older than me, that they had wished that they had worked on presentation more or, you know, were better at it or tried doing it more during third year. I feel like it's just a hard thing to get yourself to do when you're not forced to do because it, you're always so bad yeah. and awkward when you start off. Yeah, it's so awkward. Yeah, you're like looking at your notes and uh, I actually wrote down, I have one of those little, I forget what they're called, like pocket reference books. And I wrote down, and I, a lot of times as a med student, I'd pull it out and I had written down there, right, like 24-hour event subjective with the five Ps and then like vitals and ins and outs. And yeah, I had all the order on there. So I kind of lean on that a lot, which I think is a good idea. I think it helped. <laughs> yeah, that is a good idea. Awesome. Okay, so this is also a little bit of a transition kind of into talking about after intern year. So um, I've heard the words tossed around categorical versus prelim years or mm -hmm. residencies. Could you just explain those a little bit? 
Sure, yeah. Okay, categorical means you get accepted to residency after med school, and you're in that residency for the full length or whatever you're accepted in that. Prelim is where, so for Navy general surgery, it's all prelim, right? We all get interned here. We all have to reapply for PGY2 to finish out residency. And so it gets a little confusing, I guess, when you talk about like civilian residencies where they match like TY and then they go out and do dermatology or anesthesiology. And so their first year is like a prelim year and then the rest of residency is categorical. I don't know off the top of my head if any of the Navy residencies are categorical. I want to say no. I think all interns basically reapply after their first year to continue on. Yeah, I think that's it. It's a little complicated. but Okay, so all of the Navy general surgery intern years are prelim years. Yeah, yeah. We all have to reapply for second year residency. Or some people didn't apply and they wanted to go do the GMO tour and hang out with the Marines or pilots, stuff like that. So, Okay, so I assume that when you're applying for PGY2, it would still be kind of earlier on after you've started being an intern. So in order to you know make yourself appealing to be selected for a PGY2 if that's what you want, what things have changed, I guess, since you last applied, or how are you showcasing yourself differently in order to try and be selected for that spot? Yeah, so that's kind of a, it's kind of problematic because our applications intern year are the same timeline as med students, so it's really early, right? Everything's kind of due in October, so you've only been there for a few months. To be honest, I don't think anybody really had too much extra to put on their application. I think a lot of it was just kind of recycled from as a fourth-year med student. I know most of the people I talked to just kind of use the same letters of recommendation. The program directors, I mean, they kind of know you based on your short time there, and that's what they have to go off of. Yeah. So a couple months, like July, yeah. August, September. Okay, so a couple months. To become a superstar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard, and those are not superstar months, let me tell you what. Those are, this is not when you're at your peak there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So at least for your year, do you know how many in Navy general surgery were moved from a PGY-1 to a PGY-2? So in our class, San Diego is two folks. We have 11 total interns. And and some of those, you know, don't want to do general surgery because, like, there's not, right, like a like an anesthesia intern year spot. Oh, right. Those folks generally do, like, transitional year. And so not all the interns want to do general surgery. But, yeah, we had two selected. From our class, there's a lot of movement on the alternate list this year, and so I got selected for GY2. Yay, and Connor is awesome, and he's a superstar. So the next question is, how do we become like you? So same thing as right, auditioning. Be the hardest working one there. Be prepared and be easy to work with, you know. And I think in addition to that, always try to operate just a little above kind of where you're at. So as a med student, kind of try to come up with a plan kind of know basic plan stuff. And then I think as an intern, I always try to come up with a plan 
based on, you know, when I get calls and I go evaluate the patient, I come to the resident, you know, I give them the spiel, what's going on, and I say, I think we should do this. And, I mean, a lot of the time it's not, you know, what happens, but I think it shows that you're kind of thinking ahead. You're trying to operate just a little above where you're at. But then, now you can't do that too much, right? And, you know, nobody likes a know-it-all or somebody who thinks they're a rock star when maybe they have a lot of learning to do. So I think <laughs> there's a diplomatic way to do that. All right, cool. What advice do you have for people that want to match into a Navy general surgery program? So I think you should kind of always be studying a little bit. And right, like I said before, don't just study for the test. Boards are important. That number is really helpful for program directors. But you also need to be preparing to take care of patients. Take care of yourself. Take time out, you know, for yourself. I think this is completely a marathon. It's not a sprint. So kind of cultivate like a healthy lifestyle and, you know, good friends and family and everything like that. And then always kind of be curious, always kind of think, like, what don't I know about this procedure, about this disease? Try to think of questions that someone might ask you, basically. And I do that frequently, and I kind of write down a list of, you know, I hear about, like, the C-costomy tube, and I think, why why would I do that? When, when would I do that? What are kind of contraindications? What's kind of the basic procedure for that? So kind of always be curious, hardworking, prepared, all the things I've said. There's no secrets, right? And also be active in, in SAMOX and go to the conference and meet all the other residents and students and attendings, and that'll help you out a lot. i got to plug um, the organization. It definitely helped me out a lot so definitely. far. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our episode today with Dr. Connor Paulson. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your experiences with us future military physicians. And for those of you listening, if you have any recommendations for the podcast or anything you'd like to hear in particular, please feel free to email samopseducationchair at gmail.com. And like Connor said, being involved in SAMOPS, if you are a medical student at an osteopathic medical school, is an awesome way. That's how we started this podcast. That's how I actually met Connor. And SAMOPS has a lot of good resources and education for military medical students around the country. So thank you, Connor. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Glad to be involved. Happy to help. And if anybody uh, out there has questions, definitely feel free to contact me. My email is connor.paulson, C-O-N-N-O-R, dot P-A-U-L-S-O-N at gmail.com. Sometimes I slow to answer questions, but I love helping students out because I've depended so much on the people who came before me to help me out. So I like to pass it forward. Definitely. That is so true. Awesome. Thank you, Connor.